Yeah. 
something that will lead us to death. But Jesus came, according to what he says in the biblical text, I have come that you might have life and life more abundant. How many want more abundant life? You want more, not just, you don't want to just get by. You know, you want to walk in his favor. One of the things that my wife and I pray all the time for everyone in this church is that God will pour out his favor on you. His loving kindness, his goodness, his mercy, all of those things. Because it says that when you're led by the Spirit, your minds are controlled by the Spirit, and he gives you both life and peace. You know, we're living in an era in the world where there's so many issues of people dealing with mental health issues. You know, and you don't have to be, you know, clinically identified as insane to have mental health issues. You know, you can just have worry that immobilizes you. You can have fear that immobilizes you. You can, you can have a, a, just a constant sense of unsettledness. That's not what the Lord wants for you. He wants you to have peace. He wants you to have peace that passes all of your understanding. And, and as you're reading through this, the, the Word of God, you know, the Spirit of God is the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. It's the same Spirit that lives in us. So as a result of that, we should be cultivating our ears to hear what He's saying to us. And we should be people, according to what the Bible says in, in Romans, He says that we are children of God. How many of you are children of the Lord? You know, if you know the Lord, you're His son or His daughter. And you may have been grafted in or you may have been born at a young age where you just all you know is the Lord, but each and every one of us is, is called to listen to what the Spirit of God is saying to us. And I want to challenge us as God's people. You know, the Word of God in, in the book of Ephesians, it says that the Word of God is the sword of the Spirit. It's interesting because Paul's writing, when he's writing about the weapons of our warfare, he says they're not carnal, but they're spiritual. And the sword is the only offensive weapon in the arsenal that Paul describes. And he says to us that as people of the Spirit, we need to take the sword of the Spirit. Let me tell you something. The same Spirit that resurrected Jesus from the dead, the same Spirit that did miracles in the New Testament, is the same Spirit that lives with you and I every day. That we walk in it, not we, we don't walk in some, oh, that only happened back then. It stopped with the age of the apostles. No, miracles happen daily if you're walking with the Lord. And what we need to be is we need to be people who are not afraid to take up the Spirit's sword and cut through all of those messages so we can hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. You know, sometimes it's, it's important for us to, to just tune out everything else and do what it says in Revelation, to him who has ears to hear. I don't know about you, but I'm getting older. Anyone else out there? <laughs> no. And my, my wife will start talking to me, and I'm like, babes, I can't hear you. I, I, I can't hear you. You're mumbling. She says, no, I'm not. You're just getting deaf. <laughs> and I tell them, it's all that loud music that drummers play back here. That's why he puts you in a cage, right? You know? But as you get older, sometimes you your hearing isn't what it used to be. But, you know, as spiritual people, we're called to be renewed day by day. We're called to renew ourselves in the things of the Spirit. And one of the things God wants to do is He wants to help you to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit every day. No matter if you're here in church, if you're sitting in your living room, if you're at work, if you're walking down the street, 
If you're standing in line at a grocery store, you know, some of the craziest times the Holy Spirit's spoken to me hasn't been when it's been in church. It's been when I'm out doing something else and the Spirit will say something and want to catch my attention. And when He speaks to us, we need to say, Lord, I think I hear you. Can you clarify that for me? Help me to have ears of spirit and listen to you. Because what God wants to do is he wants to speak to us through circumstances. I like reading in the book of Acts because Acts tells about the function of the Holy Spirit in the early church. And you know, a lot of times we like to glorify the people in scripture that they, oh, they were just so incredible. You know, if you haven't seen the, the series, the, the Chosen, you should watch it because it's, it's absolutely amazing. They have Amazon, it's free on Amazon. You know, this is not a commercial, but it's interesting because it shows you the ordinariness of the people and how God shows ordinary people who are willing to listen to him to accomplish his task. You know, it's not superstars. It's the little boy that said, I, I don't have much. I have a fish and some bread. Can you use this? It's fishermen. How many of you know fishermen always tell the truth? You know, it's ordinary people, and that's what God wants to do. And one of the things he says is he says, if you hear my voice, listen to it. Are you open? Are you open this morning to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit? You know, I remember the first time we went to Israel, we, we went to Mount Carmel. Mount Carmel is located up on a hill above Haifa, and it looks over the Mediterranean Sea. And I always think, wow, what a great place for the Lord to call the prophet. You know, look up and see this beautiful ocean below you, beautiful hill, and it's all quiet. And it says that the Spirit of God started like a little tiny puff out on the sea, and it started coming to the prophet. A lot of times we want this loud booming, I want you to do this. But sometimes it's that still small voice. Are you open this morning to hear that still small voice? Father, we come before you this morning and we ask and pray that your Holy Spirit would just speak to us very clearly. Lord, we're living in a culture that is bombarding us with images, with sounds, with marketing, with distractions. But Lord, your word says to those who have ears, not just physical ears, but spiritual ears to hear you. I pray that we would not become tone deaf to the voice of the Holy Spirit. I pray that we'd be open to hear his voice speaking to us throughout our day. From the time we get up to the time we lay our head down. And Lord, sometimes, Lord, you're going to speak to us through dreams as we sleep. Because you you want us to be still and know that you are God. So, Lord, I pray right now, Father, that your Holy Spirit would just be speaking very clearly to us. And if you're here this morning, you're saying, you know, Pastor, I want to hear the voice of the Lord more. Just open your hands up like this. Like that song says, I'm open. Are you open this morning? Are you open to hear his voice speak to you? Are you open to hear his voice speak to you when it's, it's not really convenient for your schedule, but the Lord wants you to listen to his voice. Are you open this morning?
Are you open to hear him speak words that he wants to speak through you to other people? Are you open to hear him speak about situations and circumstances in your life that he wants to, I like to use the word tweak, to just change a little bit so you can become a deeper, more committed believer to him? He wants to have you listen to the voice of his spirit so when you're talking to your family and friends that don't know him, that he can give you words to speak to them, to bring life to them, so that they can not just live a life, but they can live a life more abundantly. Are you open to hear him speak to you about things he wants to change in your environment so that you can change the environment around you? Are you open to hear the voice of the Spirit speak to you for direction and for guidance? That so many times we think we need to do it on our own, but if we be still and know that He is God, He will order your steps. So Father, right now, I just pray that we'd be open to You. I pray that we'd be open to the voice of the Holy Spirit, not just on Sunday morning, but God, every single moment of the day. And Lord, I pray that we would be able to fine-tune the frequency of our spiritual ears to hear your voice, that still small voice that still speaks to us today. And Lord, we thank you for that. When we stand, we're going to pass her back and lead us in that song I'm open.
enjoying your summer so far? Enjoying the warm and cool weather we're having? You know, how many of you don't like the hot weather we're having? You know, Pastor Nick and Rebecca, their air conditioner went out there. Oh, everyone say it once. Oh, you think it was hot this week? They're going to kids camp or youth camp this week, so it's going to be hot there too. Uh, my mom last time, I think it was like 98 when we were driving through at 8 o'clock one night. Uh, it's going to be a good one. Hey, we're glad you're all here this morning, and if uh, you're watching online, we thank you for being part of us. Uh, we want to. We have a couple things going on that are happening uh, right now. One is uh, we have our Israel trip. We finally got the confirmation of about a week and a half ago on that. Uh, I think we have 18 people so far signed up. So if you're interested in going to Israel, let us know. We have to have a minimum of 20 people to guarantee that price. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's a once-in-a-lifetime, or uh, if you're like us, it's four times in a lifetime. But, you know, it's, it's a really incredible place to go. Uh, it brings the Bible alive to you. And I want to really encourage you, if you're interested, talk to me. Uh, if you're watching online and you want to go, let us know. We can connect you with a travel agent. All of it's taken care of through a travel agency. You're staying at uh, four and five-star hotels. It's basically all-inclusive except for lunch. It covers everything. Ground transportation, air transportation, lodging, breakfast, and dinner every day, all your sites and everything, all your tours, your tips, everything. All you have to bring is money for lunch and souvenirs. Okay? And they have some beautiful jewelry. You can talk to my wife about that after service. Okay? Um, we have a couple other things going on. Uh, our Tongues of uh, Fire service, July 28th uh, at 8 p.m. That's with our global partners. We'll be having a worship service and a word from the Lord. It's a great opportunity for us to network with our brothers and sisters globally. And uh, one thing that we want to encourage you to do is uh, uh, pray for that event. Pray that God really moves and touches the hearts of people. There are people from all over the world that join us for that uh, service. Uh, we have a couple retreats coming up. We have both a men's and a women's retreat. And I know I apologize in advance. The only time we could get Mount Herman was a weekend apart, which I understand that's difficult uh, when you have two retreats in the same month. But I want to encourage you. God wants you to spend time to get alone with him. Yeah. And just step away. You know, I love what it says in the Psalms. If you, if you have your Bibles and you're reading the Psalms, and in the margin there's a word, Selah, S-E-L-A-H. And it's a time, I like to call it a spiritual railroad crossing. It's where you stop looking and listen to the Lord. And it's really important for us as people. We live, especially here, we live in one of the most hectic, fast-paced areas in the United States. You know, when we travel to other parts of the country, it's like, wow, it's like nothing happened. You know? Those of you in Alabama, anyone from Alabama back there? You know, <laughs> you know it's, it's, it's slower. It's a slower pace. We live at a very hectic pace. I want to encourage you. Uh, the men's retreat, if, if you pull up this October 6th and 8th, we pull up the women's retreat, it's the next weekend, the 13th through the 15th. We want to really encourage you to go spend some time, plan now, plan both calendar-wise and financially. Uh, there are scholarships available for both. Let us know if you need that. We can help you with that. But I want to really encourage you to go. The youth are taking off this week. They're going to be going to Mount Lassen camp for their summer retreat, so we've got to pray for them this week. And also, Pastor Sandy is having a VBS, a vacation Bible study, for the children this week. So we're, we're getting all age levels to be committed to this, to have a sailor time where God can just bless you, okay? Uh, in September, we have our launch, September 3rd. It's a little early this year due to our Poland trip, but we're going to be having a great day. It's, we're going to have a goodies there. It's going to be tacos, all you can eat, free. Yeah. And gourmet, I mean, we're holistically, we have to get those carbs in for those of you who like carbs. 
Carbs and sugar, it's the friends of the Holy Spirit. And uh, we're going to have gourmet cupcakes as well. So we want to encourage you, invite friends and family. It's a great opportunity as we relaunch uh, our ministry in the fall. And then uh, we want to pray today for a couple things. We want to pray for the Talavera family. Uh, Jose and Ashley were pastors on staff here. Uh, they are not missionaries to Spain. Uh, they have uh, their family are living in uh, Spain. They're doing church planning there. We need to pray for them. Pray that God would bless them and help them to advance the kingdom of God in Spain. And also we want to pray for our first responders, uh, both military, police, fire, uh, medical community, that God would continue to keep their hand on, on them. You know, that's a, if you've ever been in those environments, they're usually pretty calm, aren't they? Yeah. You know, we want to pray that God gives them peace and God protects them. And then another area that we want to pray about, and you've, if you saw the newsletter this week, we mentioned it, but there's an incredible amount of persecution going on globally. Uh, actually, the, the secular media has even been highlighting uh, some of the uh, things that are happening in uh, northern India. Uh, we've been in touch with some of our partners, and there are some really serious needs that need to go uh, forth. We have some uh, friends that are in, uh, that are lawyers that are working with the persecuted church. And uh, if there's an opportunity, if you feel so led to give towards that, we're going to be sending them some funds to help them to pay for the legal defense. Uh, we know personally pastors that have been arrested and falsely accused, and they're put in prison, they're put in jail, their families are put in jail, their churches are assaulted. Uh, there's been a lot of media attention uh, right now about that. I don't know if any of you uh, like to read things like the U.S. State Department uh, report on human rights, but uh, India did not receive a very high favor this year, and it's because of a lot of the persecution, and that's where a lot of our partners are. And these lawyers that we're working with, they uh, run one of the ministries we support, but they also do uh, free legal advice for people, not just in India, but in Nepal and Bangladesh, all over the Middle East, uh, where Christians are being persecuted. So we want to uh, help them. If you feel so led during the offering, just put the persecuted church on there, uh, and we'll make sure those funds get to them. I want to thank you for your giving. Uh, the usher is going to come forward. We're going to wait upon you for your tithes and offerings. Uh, there's lots of opportunities for you to give. Uh, if you want to give online, there's Zelle, there's PayPal. You can give by check, cash. Uh, give your firstborn. If you do work around the church, I'm kidding. Uh, well, we want to bless the offering and uh, help us as a church to be good stewards of it. And I want to personally thank uh, Danny Benz. Uh, Danny uh, came in. If you give, notice the driveway, there's no longer potholes. Danny is. His yeah. uh, team was here this week fixing that. Thank you, Danny, for your service. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that, Lord, you are a good and gracious God, and I ask your blessing upon this offering. Bless both the gift and the giver. May it be used for your glory, for the advancement of the kingdom, both here and globally. I pray that the pastoral staff, the board, we'd be good stewards and managers of these resources, and that, Lord, you would bless us as we're faithful to give to you. Now, Lord, we offer this offering up to you. May you use it for the advancement of your kingdom. In Christ's name we ask. Amen. Bless you, you give.
church in Uttar Pradesh, India. When I really specify what we're talking about here, where the need is, um, yesterday for a long time, I was communicating with our partners in that state for a long time, and it's bad. Okay, I want you to know we talk about persecuted church and we talk about it in general terms, but I want to tell you it's a bad situation. It's a very bad situation. And um, Jyoti, uh, she and her husband are the directors of Light Light Freedom, which we support. We've done a lot of support for them. They are lawyers. They defend the pastors. There are very few lawyers that want to defend the pastors. Actually, probably they're the only ones that are trying to create a, a group of lawyers to do this. But right now, there are very few because of the fear of being blackballed themselves. And um, so I want you to know it's a very bad situation. I encourage Jyoti, uh, given the dynamic of that, I said it takes us time to raise money. Why do we need money to be raised? Yes, we do need to help with the, the legal fees, the court fees for the pastors, most of which are not high income, very low income. And also what happens when they are jailed or when they are taken or when they have these, um, these cases brought against them, their churches are immediately shut down. And when their churches are shut down, that means there's no more income for them personally. So one of the things that came up even in our conversation was food, just basic needs being met for their families. And there's a problem with that and I'm encouraging Nothing I'm saying right now, Josie doesn't know because we have talked, but um, I'm encouraging them to also contact and say, listen, the church, the Christians in India need to rise up and to participate in this as well to make sure that there's a lot of fear that is gripping the church in India, right? especially in northern India. The northern India church is a very um, small church. But I'm encouraging the, the church there to arise, but there is a lot of fear. There is a lot of um, uh, intimidation, let's, let's say that, intimidation from uh, significant people in, in their, in their uh, governments and court systems, and especially in northern India. It doesn't mean it doesn't happen elsewhere, but it is a very uh, difficult situation. One of the reasons why I highlighted it is because it wasn't just Jyoti that came to me, but I also had another partner that also talked to me about it the same week within 24 hours, and they don't even know Jyoti, and they don't interact. So I know that this is a real bad situation, and I believe that we want to help defend these pastors. The case that, one of the cases that, um, the way that it happened was that they went to pray for a family who had requested them to pray for the sick in their home. And then that very family who they uh, came to pray for the sick in their home. And I, I guess the, the sick person was healed, turned on them. And whether it was by being kind of pressured into um, accusing them of trying to force conversion or whatever, so this is what had happened. So they took that word of those people against these pastors. Difficult situation. It's quiet in here. 
And we need to rise up and partner. Amen? Amen. Amen. I'm going to tell you, the Lord has blessed this church and will continue to bless. You say, Pastor, when you ask a lot, I know I'm going to ask until I die. Because the most important things in this earth are not in the physical realm. Most of us have more than one pair of shoes. I can guarantee you most of you have more than one pair of shoes. Most of us have way more than what we need. Amen. We do. I do. I do. You do. And I know that what's going to last is not what rust and moth destroy. But what's going to last is what we do for the kingdom of God that's going to have eternal consequences. Eternity is what is lasting. It's not the stuff, the junk, the stuff that ends up on in your garage sale that you bought for $100 and now you can't even sell for $10. You know what I'm talking about. That's not what's going to last. What's going to last is what we do for his kingdom. It really is the truth. It's not just some sort of, uh, you know, fun, fun statement or some statement that you hear, a rote statement that you hear all the time. It is the truth. And I'm going to talk about that today because it has everything to do with how we are designed by God. Or I'm going to talk about being Loving God's design. Now, a few weeks ago, we had a powerful, we have a powerful weekend all the time, but there was a, a very significant weekend, and that was when we had the Holy Spirit baptism retreat for the children. And my five grandchildren came in, and they, so I flew them in, and they participated in that, and it was a powerful weekend for them. But it was a powerful weekend for every child and every adult that attended there. And in that time, when I was with my grandchildren, and they were kind of coming back from the retreat, and the next day I took them to the boardwalk, and I rode all of those fun rides that Pastor David won't ride with the grandchildren. But I am the coolest of the grandmothers, according to Nora, my oldest granddaughter. So I was good with that, even though my neck hurt the next day, because being cool is more important than my neck, obviously. But as I was with them, this message came to me about loving God's design. Because I realized something, I realized it, but it just was so highlighted by the Holy Spirit that the environment or the habitat of humanity is God's presence. They were made, as I looked at my five-year-old grandson, Clyde, realizing you are made to dwell in the presence of God. The way that you will flourish, the way that you will be fruitful, the way that you will have abundant life will be because you are immersed in the presence of God. Not the physical realm, not highlighting the physical realm, but making the spiritual part of our lives the priority. And then all these things shall be added unto you. Too many times we think for our children, this isn't a, a message just about children, but too many times we think for our children, if we do a really great job in the physical realm, somehow it's going to affect the spiritual realm. Rather than saying if we do a really great job in the spiritual realm, it's going to affect the physical realm. So parents, grandparents, aunties, uncles, 
important, but it's not more important. That's the problem. It's not more important. I'm going to talk to you about how God has designed us. And we're going to go deep today. And we're going to go deep. So you better come with me into the deep realms, okay? Because it's not just how God designed children, how God designed you. So you understand how you're designed. Acts 17, 28, it's not up here, but it says this. In him we live and move and have our being. In him we live and move and have our being. We were made to dwell in the presence of God. It has always been that way. That's the way God made us in the book of, in the book of Genesis. We were created to dwell in his presence. You were created to have the capacity to receive what God has for you internally before it comes to fruition externally. See, God is spirit. And God has put spirit in the book of Genesis. And so spirit related to spirit. We were made, as you know, in God's image. So today I want to help you build capacity to receive what God has for you because sometimes, so many times, and probably a lot of times, Christians live with physical first and spiritual second in their daily lives. Physical first, spiritual second. You know, I, I find this to be true as a pastor, that people, even when they come to church or go to church, that they need something so that gets them to church. I need to have a word. I need to have God interact with me. I need God to meet a need rather sometimes than having a mentality that it's not about necessarily a need, but I want to be in his presence. I choose spiritual things first. It doesn't come out of my desperate need. It comes out of my desire to be with him. To choose spiritual things first. See, God prioritized spirit. And I'm talking about the spirit of man. Him being spirit, God is spirit, but also talking about the unseen realm first and then the physical realm. See, God's breath is in us. God's breath is in man. That's how man came to be. It's through the breath of God. He did not live. Adam did not live until the breath entered him. And it was God's breath. It was God's breath. The only creature that received the breath of God made in God's image was humans. This was God's design. Spirit first, physical second. Man did not live when he was just a body, physical body, until the breath entered him. Okay? The priority of the breath of God. This was the original design. And so when sin entered into the world, what happened? The spirit man died. 
the spirit man dies. And when Jesus came, he restored that. He put his spirit in us, gave us a new heart, gave us a new spirit. And by faith now, we live in God's original design. Let me say this again. By faith, by faith, we live in God's original design. Hebrews 11, when now faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So through faith in him, now we know through faith in him, this original design has been restored. How? Through faith. Through faith. So humans were meant and made to depend upon the unseen realm, the spirit realm, the spirit man first, because of the person of God. And the person of God is spirit, then the physical realm. Now this is what's interesting. In the book of Genesis, when God made Adam, when God made man, and we find in Genesis chapter 2, you find that Adam, or man, worked in conjunction with God during creation. Let's read it. Genesis 2.19. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. He brought them to the man. See, now you see Adam is working with God in creation, isn't he? Isn't he? He's naming the animals. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. Man named the animals, and it was so. Just like God created, and it was so, man named the animals, and it was so. You see humans working in conjunction with God. Adam did this. The humanity, humans, were flourishing because of the presence of God in their lives. They dwelled in the habitat. Now, if anybody knows anything about how habitat California does, if anybody knows anything about habitat, builders in California do. Why? Because you can't build there. You're going to destroy the worms' habitat, right? to the capacity. 
wants us to flourish. See, you see, Adam had power and authority, and it happened, there was an expression of that in creation. See, we were made in God's image, in his likeness. And this physical realm was to be dominated by the spirit. You see this with Adam naming the animals. He is in authority here. He is in authority before sin enters the world. But we see that that changes. See, the original design was being in relationship in the habitat of God's spirit. That's where Adam was, in the habitat of God's spirit. So the, the original design was internal to external, spiritual first to physical second. Internal to external, spiritual to physical. And then sin entered into the world because of the choice by humans to leave God out of the habitat. To leave God out of the equation. To leave God out of their existence. They made that choice. And so sin caused the external physical realm to become the priority. Let me go back to that. I told you it's going deep now. Sin caused the external physical realm to become the priority. The emphasis and sin empowered that realm over humanity. Sin empowered the realm of the physical over humanity. How do we know that? Because if you go read in Genesis chapter 3 and you read about the curses, that's what you discover. Now the earth is not going to do what you want. It's going to have authority over you because of sin. Because you stepped outside of God's presence. Because you disconnected yourself. You're not living in the habitat that you were created to live in. And we find this in the story of the fall. Genesis 3, 6 and 7 says this. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eyes, and that it was desirable for obtaining wisdom, she took the fruit and ate it. When the woman saw, I was preparing for Phil to the Browns for next week. Next week, I had to do them in the dance because I'm going to go see my son. Sons, actually. And so I was doing them in the dance, and the Holy Spirit really talked to me about entrapment. And it really came, there was a, a concept that he brought to me when the woman saw. Did she physically see, or did she see internally? Because it's like this. When you're talking with somebody, and you say, I see what you're saying. I see your perspective. Actually, now I have moved to your position to see your perspective. So the woman moves from where she was at, moved from the place she was at, to where the enemy was at to see his perspective. Later, this isn't in effect, this is just a highlight for next week's Built to the Brim. Later, Paul writes in Ephesians, I pray that your heart, the eyes of your heart would know. See, her 
that, they lost their authority over the physical realm because they became in submission to it. And we know that because when both of them have eaten of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, what happens is their eyes are opened. And they have fear. And they're ashamed. Those are the concepts that happen when sin enters into the world. And all of a sudden, they're very aware of the physical realm. And how it influences them. And how it dominates them. Because before they had no shame. Before they had no fear. But now the physical realm dominates them. And we know that because of what happens right after sin enters. is now the physical realm causes them shame. And causes them fear. Because they remove themselves from the presence of God. They left. They chose. The presence of the glory of God was their habitat. And they left that habitat and they died spiritually instantly. See, they had fallen. They were like the fish out of water. They were like the plant or the tree out of soil. Now they would die because they removed themselves from the presence of God. And you know what's interesting about this story when physical dominates right here in this text and then it goes into the curses. This is before the curses are ever even starting to be explained. That right then and there, their relationship with God has changed. They fear him. They hide from him. They don't want to be. When you're hiding from somebody, you don't want to be in their presence. That's why you're hiding. It's real quiet in here. Y'all learning something? I hope so. When you're hiding, that means you don't want to be in their presence. And what they actually had needed for them to flourish was to be in God's presence. And also, one another. They begin to blame one another right away. They begin already had a problem with one another because that's what happened. There was, that was my area, relationship erosion. There was relationship erosion. Spiritual death revealed by their physical response. Spiritual death. I want to challenge us today because there was spiritual death because sin entered into the world. And God's habitat is holiness. God is holy. He never ceases to be holy. That is not something God wears like some sort of smock. It is who God is. God is holy. And they walked in his glory. They had his glory and who he was his presence in their lives. And now they have stepped out of that, that presence. Genesis 2, 16 and 17 tells us about the original statement that God gave to them. And the Lord God commanded him, you may eat freely from every tree of the garden, but you must not, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. You must not eat, consume, bring into you. When you eat of something, it goes inside of you, doesn't it? You must not have 
inside of you. You will die because evil will kill you. Evil will poison you. Not just to consume it, but to know about it. Because the concept of know in scripture is experience it. You know what's interesting about humans is that we blame God for the evil, but God is not evil. He cannot be evil. He is holy. He is separate from evil. He has never wanted evil in this world. He is separate from it. He doesn't integrate with it. He does not coexist with evil. He cannot get this, because this is a message out there that permeates our culture, that somehow our God should come in and coexist with the principalities and powers of other religions. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to have an empty church. I don't care, because I will speak the truth about this. We serve a holy God, and as a result of that, when Jesus brings us into relationship with him, he says, I want to redeem your habitat, and therefore I want you to be a holy people. Holy, what does it mean? The word for holy is kodesh. It comes from the root word kodesh. This root word, in simpler terms, means to be set apart for a specific purpose. Holiness means God is transcendent. He is glorious. He is incomprehensible. Every individual aspect of who God is is so uniquely glorious that it cannot be fully measured or comprehended. He is beyond the limits and borders of every other thing. He is greater in every way than all else. God is holy. And he is always separate from sin and evil. Amen. Isaiah 5.20 says this. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Who substitute darkness for light and light for darkness. Who substitute bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. God is holy. Now, let me explain to you something. Jesus came. Jesus, fully God, fully man. Don't ever let somebody tell you that he wasn't fully God, because he was 100% God. Don't ever let somebody tell you that he wasn't 100% man. He came as 100% man, laid aside his deity, did not access the, the, all the things that came with his deity because he wanted to accomplish his work through his humanity, through the power of the Holy Spirit. But this is what I love about Jesus. Because, see, Jesus is our example. Just like Pastor David said, everything that the Holy Spirit was in Jesus, he is in us. The same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. And Jesus set the example of how to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, showing us our original design. See, Jesus had nothing in common with the enemy. He went through temptations. He went through trials. He had nothing in common with the enemy. The enemy had no hold over him. John 14, 30. This is what he says. I will not talk with you much more for the prince, evil genius, ruler of the world is coming, and he has no claim on me. He has nothing in common with me. There is nothing in me that belongs to him, and he has no power. 
power over me. Now, why I want to focus in on this is that Jesus was fully human. So he walked in a physical realm. He did not walk in another realm, a spirit realm. He wasn't just a spirit man, like a ghost or something like that. He walked in a physical realm, like you and I walk in a physical realm. Jesus got hungry. Scripture tells us that Jesus got hungry. Now, let me say this. This is significant because if he didn't walk in the physical realm, then he couldn't say everything that I do, you can do, right? But he did walk in it, and he was able to say, the enemy has no hold on me. When we become new creations, you're a new creation in Christ. His spirit dwells in you. You now can say, before you were a new creation, you'd say, you know what, the enemy did have a hold on me. But now as a new creation, we dwell where? Where's our dwelling place? In Christ. That's your dwelling place. That is your habitat. That is your habitat that reflects the habitat of what Adam was in Genesis chapter 2. You have that habitat now of being and dwelling in Christ. And now because you dwell in Christ, the enemy cannot have any hold over you unless you let him. Unless you prioritize things over the things of the Holy Spirit. Unless you choose not to let the Holy Spirit govern your life. Let me give you some examples of what we have to do. See, we need to make sure we're not cultivating. See, as a new creation, as people with the Holy Spirit's power in us, the Holy Spirit's presence in us, that is our design. But we have a choice in the matter. Just like Eve had a choice in the matter. James 1, 13 through 5. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by what is it? his own lust. Lust comes from seeing something you desire. Physical dictating to the inner man. Tempted by his own lust. Enticed by his own lust. Then when lust has conceived, when I have eaten of that, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it gives birth to death. It's describing what ended up happening in the Garden of Eden. That they looked at something and they desired it. They saw that it was good for eating. And they consumed it. And it produces death in their life. We have to take responsibility for not putting ourselves in places of temptation. I'm talking to myself. I'm a big Timu fan. Anybody know what Timu is? If you don't, don't look it up. <laughs> this is really cheap online stuff, okay? Really cheap online stuff. Take the app off. It is going to cause you to stumble. It is going to cause you to fall. Some of us begin to convince ourselves, start to once again see from our own human perspective that it's okay, I can handle that. When scripture says, do not put yourself 
salvation so that you are not carried away by your own sinful lust. Galatians 5, 16, 7. But I say, walk in the spirit. You will not carry out the desires of the flesh. If you make spirit first, do you hear me? It's not rocket science. We make it rocket science. But it's not rocket science. We make the spirit man be the priority in our lives. Walk by the spirit. And therefore you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. It's not rocket science. It's just that we don't want to do it. Because the flesh can feel good. For the flesh has its desire against the spirit. And the spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another. Do you hear me? They're in opposition to one another. The flesh cannot be the dominant factor in our lives. So that you may not do the things that you please. The spirit man must be the priority in your life. The Holy Spirit. Who has made your spirit alive. Also. You need to choose and be careful of who you are influenced by. Because it's not only your own flesh, but it's also what you're cultivating around you. Not just temptations, but what 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. A lot of us, a lot of Christians, are in oneness, in integration with people with bad morals, and they start the slippery slope. Are we supposed to love people? Yes. Are we supposed to reach people? Yes. But you need to determine who's influencing who. Yeah. That's right. And that's going to have to do with how you're thinking and what the outcomes are of your life. What else? You are not to be unequally yoked. A lot of times people say this has to do with marriage only. It doesn't. It can do with anything that has to do with covenant. Covenant making. 2 Corinthians 6.14 Do not be unequally bound together with unbelievers. Do not make mismatched alliances with them. Inconsistent with your faith. Do you hear me? Inconsistent with your faith. It's going to lead you to all kinds of troubles. It's going to lead you to places, junctures, where you have integrity challenges. Well, this is, this is real quiet today. <laughs> You want to be a muscle Christian? You got to function in the habitat of God. You got to function in the habitat of the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you where we're headed in this world. We need Christians that function in the habitat of the Holy Spirit. You better be a powerful Christian. That's how you're a powerful Christian. He has the same design for you. See, God never ceased to be holy even when sin was placed on Jesus as the perfect sacrifice. He was the perfect sacrifice because he had no sin. And he paid the highest price for you to be returned back to the habitat of his presence. He didn't pay just a lesser price. He didn't negotiated with the devil. He paid the highest price he could pay and he gave himself for you so that you can come back into relationship functioning in power and authority over the 
deceitful desires to be made new in the attitude of your mind. You're going to see it the way God sees it now. And to put on the new self, created to be, to created to be like God in true righteousness and separateness. Who is? You are. That's your design. That's who you are. Not someday, not the sweet by and by, not when the sweet chariot comes to me and I'll fly away. Right now, that is your design in this world right now. That's how you were created. To be like God. In true righteousness and holiness. And therefore, and therefore, you are, as we always go back to every summer I preach, Romans 12. You are to do what? Romans 12, 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. What? How? By the renewing of your mind. There you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. He's not hiding out from you. He's not wanting you to have to say, I don't know what God's perfect, good, perfect, pleasing will is for me. He wants you to know about it. He wants you to have his thoughts about your situation. He wants you, if you lack wisdom, he wants to get it to you immediately. All it says is all you have to do is ask it. I will get it to you abundantly. This is your inheritance. This is your habitat. This is who you are as a children of God. Amen. I'm reaching hard today. Because some of us, we have such a poverty mindset about who we are when we are called and been redeemed by him to walk in the habitat of God. But we can't make physical first and spiritual second. Galatians 2.20 I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live but Christ who lives in me. The life I now live in the body, yes I do. I live in the body right now. I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me. Doesn't mean that we don't have the physical doesn't mean that there's not things that we are to do and that there's not goodness in the physical there is but that is not the dictator it's secondary and we can take every thought captive building the capacity for the holy spirit to reign in our lives means that we have to put the things of the spirit first that enlarges the territory within us. That stretches our capacity. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish. We have the power to demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ so that I'm not seeing it. I'm not seeing it the enemy's way. Now I see it with my eyes and my heart as a new creation. I see it through his eyes because I want to know what his good and perfect and pleasing will is. And therefore my mind must be transformed. Oh my goodness. I'm burning some calories today. <laughs> I'm going to have that cupcake. I'm going to have that cupcake. Yes, I know I'm going to deny flesh. But the Lord said, you burn the calories, you can have the cupcake. <laughs> Amen. Amen.
and fleshed out. When we say spirit first, and physical second. Well, we just talked about your mindset. We just talked about it. That my mind needs to be governed by the Holy Spirit. But what about the physical realm and our senses? Our senses. See, because scripture says, what are our senses? Feeling, our hands feel, touch, taste, smell, hear. Scripture says that our senses, which is how we interact with the physical realm, are trained for righteousness. Did you know that? That now your senses don't control you. Now, as a result of the Holy Spirit first, now your senses can be trained for righteousness. Hebrews 5, 14. But solid food is for the spiritually mature whose senses are trained by practice to distinguish between what is morally good and what is evil. They are trained by practice. Why do you think I hit hard on don't let your feelings lead you? Feelings are good, they're fine, but they're not leaders. All these types of things. Because so many humans, and I'm talking specifically about Christians, they let their senses lead them. An addiction is all about sense leading them. Something that, that has captured them, has appealed to their senses leading them. And scripture says, no, we don't have to let our senses anymore lead us. They're there. They're the way that we interact with the world. Doesn't mean we, we, they're not deleted. They're not destroyed. They're there. God made us with senses on purpose. He did this on purpose, but now they're to be transformed. Now they are to be instruments of righteousness. What else? How about your soul? What's your soul? Talk a lot about soul. It's kind of like your emotional center. Psalms 23 says, He restored my soul. He loves emotions. God loves emotions. Jesus had emotions. Emotions are not bad in themselves, but when they're going on haywire, when they're leading people, when they become destructive to us, when they lead us uh, out uh, down pathways we're not supposed to be down, when they become what's controlling us rather than the Holy Spirit, there's a problem. This is what Hebrews 6.19 says. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. What is the hope? It's the hope of Christ's work and his promises. His work and his promises are an anchor for our soul. In other words, our emotions, our soul is rooted and grounded in Christ. Our soul no longer leads us, dominates us. What dominates us? The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, which was given to us through Christ's work. That's what it looks like. Living in the house. Some of us have problems with one thing. Some of us have problems with the other things. But the truth is this. The Holy Spirit says, I want you in my habitat. Isaiah 33, 6 says this. And he will be the security and stability of your times. Now let me tell you this. Our soul, our emotional center, is affected by storms. By things in the physical realm. The disciples were in a boat. And they had a storm. And it doesn't believe that they had any feelings. The feelings were there. The physical impact was there. But the, the, the story, the truth of the story 
driven. Soul driven. Reactionary. And you know what? It doesn't do good for your mental health. It doesn't do good for your emotional health. For raising children. Let me tell you this. I know that social media and all these things can have such a negative impact on people. Not just children. Not just teenagers. Even adults. On, on people's identity. On people's view of themselves. Value of themselves. And what the enemy has set up is that you're soul driven. Let the world tell you who you are. Let the world tell you how valuable you are. Let the world think, make you think that you're not beautiful or that you're not a certain way, you're not smart, you're not intelligent, you're not successful because you don't have these certain things. And the enemy wants you to be soul driven. When the Holy Spirit says, I want to drive you, I want to govern you because you're my child, you are precious. I have your precious Holy Spirit in me. You are my handiwork. We cannot teach our children through example, to be soul-driven in his habitat. We are not soul-driven. And he will be the security, Isaiah 33, 6, and he will be the security and stability of your times, a treasure of salvation, wisdom, and knowledge. The fear of the Lord is your treasure. Come on up here, Rebecca. Woo! We went deep. You're designed. You are designed for his presence. You're designed for his habitat. You're designed to walk in confidence. Do you hear me? You're designed to walk in confidence because of what Christ has done and who he is and that he dwells in you. You are not to walk in insecurity. You are designed to walk in confidence. The enemy does not want you to be confident. Doesn't want it. He doesn't want you to believe his word. He doesn't want you to choose the habitat of the Holy Spirit every day in your life. He doesn't want you to recognize that you are seated with Christ in heavenly places. He doesn't want you to know that you are God's handiwork to go and do good works, which he has uh, planned in advance for you to do specifically you, your life, who he created in a very unique way. The enemy doesn't want that for you. He doesn't want this message to go forth. He doesn't want you to hear it. He doesn't want you to see it from God's view. He wants you to see things from his view. That the world dominates you. The philosophies of the world dominate you. The physical world dominates you. Your emotions will dominate you. That's what the enemy wants. But what God says. I gave Jesus not only the perfect sacrifice, but the very best, the very best to restore you to your original design. It's interesting, there's a story when Jesus is with his disciples, and it's like this, it's an encounter, and it's, um, but it's also like a prophetic Activity that they do. Because it's when he sends them out, he sends out the 70, 72, and they return. Luke 10, 17 through 19, it says this. Then the 72 returned with joy and said, 
demons submit to us in your name. When I walk in your presence, the demons submit to us. Now this is before the Holy Spirit has been sent, right? So Jesus has said, now go and do these things in my name. And they come back rejoicing. Bottom line is, this is if you want to put it in our lingo, it worked. <laughs> it actually worked. They do submit in your name. And Jesus replied, I love Jesus so much. He says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. When you came back and you did all that, you know what you did? You defeated the enemy. You put him in his place because you walked in my habitats. You walked in my presence. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. It has not changed. You have the Holy Spirit in you. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Change your mentality. Yes. We're going to be a powerful people. We're going to be a people that says, I want to maximize. I don't want to nibble at the salad bar. I'm going to feast at your table. And he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Because we're going to feast at it. Because we belong at his table. Because Jesus paid for it. And his table is his habitat. His environment. His presence. I have given you authority to trample on snakes. And scorpions. I'm saying this to you. Jesus says, I have given you authority. Why does he say snakes and scorpions? He's talking about the physical realm, isn't he? He's saying, you know, we're doing the great shift right here. See, do you get it? We're doing the great shift right here. What the enemy stole from you, I'm reversing it by my presence. I'm reversing it by my presence. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits sub submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven because it's all about remaining in my habitat, connected to me, relationship to me. That's what Adam and Eve forgot, or at least or started seeing it the way of the enemy is that they wanted power and authority without being in connection to God, to the Father, to the Holy One. And humans still try to do that today. They try to do that today. They still try to do it. But it's impossible. I want you to stand with me.
That's your design. That's not a design that you need for heaven. That's your design for here. That's your design for this earth. He made you a new creation on this earth. If he said, oh, you know what? You don't have any of that power. You don't have none of that authority. Then I'm going to just immediately transport you to heaven after you give your life to Christ. Right? Just so that I know that you don't mess it up. But that's not how he designed us. Because what gives him glory is when we trample on the snakes and scorpions. That's right. <laughs> when we don't let the message of the world intimidate us, but we say, you know what? He's given me power over all of the enemies. I have authority over that, not because of me as a human, but because of his work, and because I've received his work, and now I dwell in Christ, and I walk in him, and we walk together, and in this habitat. Come again, let your
to really change your mentality. Some of us have a real negative mentality. Some of us have a defeatist mentality, and that does not bring glory to God. And that does not, that is not humble. If you think that's humble, you know what that is? That's faithless. See, this is all good. You can swing hard. You can be a home run hitter. You can, because he's in you. He made you that way. He shed his blood. He was separated from his father. Eli, Eli, Sakpakistani. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? For us, for us, so that we could enter in, so we could come to the throne room of because of his work, let us maximize it. Let us say increasing. Some of us, we need an increase in our lives internally. Holy Spirit, some of you, you know it. You know it. You know, Lord, we want increase. Some of us, we want to increase externally. But the Lord says, I want to give you increase internally. Spirit first. Capacity first, and then all these things shall be added unto you. Holy Spirit, I'm open. Come on, I'm open. I'm open. Don't care what somebody thinks of you.
No shyness, no intimidation, no pride, pride, pride. None of that. I was like, you know what? This is going to be a powerful church. This is going to be a muscle church. This is not going to be a church that is scared of the, of the narrative of the world. The world has its narrative.
people here. I see it on you right now. David never once doubted that he was going to have victory. And you are to be a people like that that has the spirit upon you and within you. Don't doubt that you're going to have victory. You go up against the Goliaths of this world. You are Goliath. You are giant slayers. You are giant slayers. Do not even let the enemy convince you or erode or to take away your confidence. Hebrews says that you are to be confident. So do not throw away your confidence. Do not throw away your confidence. And in order for you to not throw away your confidence, you must fix your eyes on Jesus.
there's not disappointments. It doesn't mean that there's not heartache that we face. But in it, we have your presence. In it, we have your perspective. In it, we have your inheritance. We have everything that we need. Even in the broken journey. Even in the challenges that we face. Even in the valley of the shadow of death. You are with me. The beauty of living life abundantly. Lord, we thank you, Father, for this word. May we, as we leave today, integrate it, think about it, massage it. Be a person who receives it and not let it fall away or let it be taken or snatched away, but let it take root in our lives. In your name, amen. God bless you. Have a great day.